Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination Podcast. I'm Mark Vibbert, and with me again, as always, is Matt Quest. Hello! And today, if you guys have been listening to our podcast since the very beginning, you may recognize his voice it is Mr. Justin Vactor. I'm back. I'm back from the future. Marty. Uh, but today, this podcast, as always, focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the past or present, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion. If it's animated, it is up for discussion. Today, we're going to be talking all about Chris Mahana Kwanska holiday specials for uh, film and TV. So if it's been covered in a holiday special and it's animated, that's what we're talking about today. And we'll be back in a few seconds with our new releases. Today, our first new release that we're going to be talking about just came out on Blu-ray recently. It is Astonishing X-Men, which is based off of Joss Whedon's run of the comics i'm gonna let justin talk about this because he's he's read the comics so he can possibly kind of compare the, the comic is like as opposed to this they don't call it a motion comic but it is more or less a motion comic and one of the features the guy says it's not really a motion comic or animation it's pretty much something new even though he uses the word animated a lot when he's talking about it so it is still technically animation but yeah i'll let justin talk about astonishing x-men yeah, these motion comics are basically the still artwork from the comics, and then they'll just add a little bit of animation. So they'll make, sometimes they'll make the mouths move, or they'll just add a little bit of motion to the direction of the characters, like if they're walking in a certain direction or they're, they're moving in a certain direction. I haven't been a big fan of motion comics at all since they've started. It's because it's, to me, if you're going to read the comic, if it's going to be still artwork, then I'd just rather read the comic. If you're going to have animation to it and you're going to have motion, I'd just rather have a fully animated movie. So it sits between those two and it doesn't really... I, I feel like it's got all the weaknesses of both formats and then like none of the strengths. So I don't really like motion comics, but Astonishing X-Men, the story, is one of my favorite comics um, of the last decade or so because uh, Joss Whedon... It's um, when it came out, it was kind of refreshing the X Men. It kind of changed the lineup of the team. It changed the costumes that they were wearing, and then it just added that Joss Whedon touch to it. So, I think if anybody likes the Avengers film that came out this past year, then you'll definitely enjoy Astonishing X Men. One of my favorite X Men things of all time. Whether it's you know X Men movies, comics, animated, th this Astonishing X Men story is one of my favorites. And what's kind of cool about this is this, this is the first time they've put one of these things, well, with the exception of the, the Watchmen one that they did, but it's the first one that Marvel has done for a Blu-ray. And some of the features on here, there's interviews with Joe Quesada and Neil Adams who worked on this. Uh, there's behind-the-scenes look at Marvel Knights animation. And then there's a music video set to stuff that happens in it, which is... <laughs> One of those other music videos on a special features that you don't really need to watch because it serves real no purpose. But uh, 
the one thing talking about the animation for it is pretty interesting. It shows like the process, how they go about putting together this, what they say isn't motion comics, but definitely is. Uh, and just like how they do that and how they expand the, the, uh, the panels that are, that are on the page and make them the full widescreen that you would see on the Blu-ray. So if, if you're a fan of the story, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, let me jump on the topic of this motion graphic stuff right now because I'm actually working on some stuff like this uh, at work, and uh, I've seen some um, examples of this done. Can I? I haven't seen the motion comic, but how long is it exactly? Well, it's split into four different episodes, which were the four different stories within that major comic itself. Yeah. Uh, so altogether, it's. It doesn't give an exact time. It says give like plus or minus five hours. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me stop you right there. <laughs> That's way too long for a motion comic uh, to be run. Cause the way I've seen, like I've seen a lot of it used in media and like the project that I'm working on is it's a short cut scene. It's not supposed to be like a, you know, 45 hour minute long thing. It's like, it's an effect that should be used on just quick animated cuts because that's, you know, how we're using it and that's how I've seen it used well, you know? Definitely. And it's it's the fact of just – it's where you're breaking up like a 2D shot and you're animating it in the way that it looks like there's a little bit of movement but you're not showing actual like animation. So it can be used well but from the sounds of this, they're not using it the right way. I'm sorry. That's that's wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> I guess it, I guess if you did watch it in the four different parts, it would maybe be like watching four separate movies. So it wouldn't you know, feel yeah. as long as five hours. Because I remember I watched the, the Watchmen motion comic the day before I went and saw that live action movie that they did. Yeah. And that was like five and a half hours too. And Jesus. That... At least with this one, they have different people doing different voices for the different characters. Yeah. That Watchmen one, it was one guy doing every voice for everybody, even the girls in it. Yeah. So like when it got to a girl, it sounded it sounded really weird. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I do have an example of uh, the motion graphic style used correctly, (laughs) and I worked on a project. Um, at Fisher Price last year, and it was called Battle Arena, and within it, it was like a 3D. It's like a 3D um, kind of spot for Target, and they're uh, advertising the new Battle Arena toy. And within like the 3D spot, they cut to these 2D scenes with these motion graphics, and that's how we used it, and that's how I think it looks good. So if you want to look it up on YouTube, go to Imaginex. Battle Arena, and you'll see how it should be used, like very, you know, tastefully, I guess. But um, sorry for my rant. That's Proceed. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then from there, we're gonna get to a much better animated film that the my favorite animated film of the year, Paranorman, came out on Blu-ray recently too. And uh, this is this has been the favorite movie that I've seen all entire year. Yep. Uh, it came out on a 3D Blu-ray, so if you have a 3D TV, like our friend Mr. Vactor here, you can watch <laughs> it. Uh, and there, there's really awesome special features on here, too. I got a chance to check all of them out. The commentary is great with the directors. They have like an hour and a half long uh, thing that they call pairing 
yeah, peering through the veil, uh, where you can go behind the scenes and see how the stop motion animation was created for the movie. You'd see like how all the props and all the lights, all the puppets and everything for the film are made, and it's it's really cool. Uh, they have a preliminary animatic sequence, so you can kind of see what the film looks like in a pretty rough, uh, like, 2D hand, hand-drawn animated way, which was cool to see Paranorman like that, too. Nice. And then there's another set of seven featurettes that, of the making of the movie that's like another hour and a half thing. So it's definitely got a good delving into the making of the movie. So if you, you like seeing how films like this are made, it's definitely a blu-ray worth checking out besides the fact that the movie itself is fantastic what do you guys think yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that on blu-ray because i think it's going to look great i can't wait to see that on blu-ray yeah with that we're gonna <laughs> go for <laughs> you guys don't watch the book. um so from there we're gonna get into our two holiday blu-rays that i got from dreamworks uh and they're basically all their holiday specials for basically all of their animated films they've done that have been successfully commercial successfully commercial commercially successful <laughs> there you go uh the first one is kung fu panda holiday which got its own blu-ray as opposed to the other one i'll be talking about in a second and it, i believe it's yeah it's set in between kung fu panda one and kung fu panda two it's right after poe has become you know taken on the role of the dragon warrior and he's it's the the holiday season, and he's got to set up this banquet for Shifu and the Furious Five and whatnot because because he's the Dragon Warrior. But his father also wants him to be at the noodle shop with him, like running it and whatnot. So he's like faced with this, this the dilemma whether what he should do and should, if he should take on his new role as the Dragon Warrior or help his dad out at the restaurant. And I thought it was really good. It's it's better than some of these other ones I'll be talking about in a minute. And has all the same voice cast as the films do, so that that was good. You, you weren't taken out of it because you're like, hey, that's not Seth Rogen or Jack Black or <laughs> Jackie Chan or whatever. But and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and my son enjoyed it as well. And I think if you guys liked Kung Fu Panda, you would like this too. It was on TV, I believe, either last year or the year before that, and they'll, I bet they'll keep running it because it is a, it's a good holiday special to check out. Uh, and they they show you how to draw. Wo Hop, which is the the rabbit in the movie, uh, Kung Fu Panda Holiday Shuffle, Mr. Ping's Noodle House, How to Use Chopsticks, and then they have the World of DreamWorks Animation, which is like a their video jukebox that they do all the time that shows all their films they've worked on, and then makes you upset that some of them they haven't released on Blu-ray, like Over the Hedge and others. <laughs> have you guys got a chance to check out Kung Fu Panda Holiday? Yeah, it's actually on uh, Netflix right now. Oh yeah. What have you guys thought about it? I I thought it was pretty good. It was a nice little story. Um, you know, it fit perfectly within the realm of the two uh, movies. And I was pretty excited when I saw that there was a holiday special because I was like, sweet. It's one I haven't seen yet. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, so, yeah, if you guys have Netflix, too, definitely add that to your queue and check it out for the holiday season now. Uh, the next one is DreamWorks Holiday Classics. Uh, I like how they're calling it classics. Um, <laughs> but on there you get Merry Madagascar, Shrek the Halls, and the first one we're going to talk about on there is Dragon's Gift of the Night Fury. I'm going to let Matt talk about that story. 
yeah, it was a really cool um, story. You know, it takes place after, um, you know, the first movie. And uh, just to give you, like, the rundown on it, you know, all the dragons disappear and everyone tries to start up their uh, new holiday, you know, winter tradition. Do you remember what the name of the uh, the day was? Because it's not yeah, – cr- they don't it's, call it's it like Christmas. Weird. It's like yeah. – um, what was it? Oh, jeez. I feel like it's like Hawk and Schlop or – it's like supposed to be some weird Viking. Yeah, some weird. That, and you, it says um, on the description under like uh, their just their annual annual winter celebration. But they go around um, after the dragons are gone. They just mysteriously disappeared, and they're trying to figure out you know why um, they're gone. And uh, they try to start their own holiday traditions. And then I'm not gonna spoil it, but. Uh, you know, um, they find out where the dragons were off to, and um, they uh, have a very uh, pleasant surprise in the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's cool because I remember like there's things in there that allude to like Christmas trees and you know giving yeah. presents and like eggnog and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it was cool like the way they they played on Christmas without like calling it Christmas in there too. So. And again, it's got that same spirit that the film had. So if you enjoyed How to Train Your Dragon, which I know all three of us did, you will enjoy Gifts of the Night Fury. What did you think of it, Justin? I haven't seen this one. The only one that I've seen out of these was the the original Shrek one. Uh, but I see that all of them are on Netflix as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dream. All of DreamWorks holiday specials are on there, so you can check out Merry Madagascar, Shrek the Halls, Dragons, Gift of the Night Fury, and Kung Panda Holiday on there. And there's actually an extra one I'm noticing. The Madagascar penguins in a Christmas caper. Oh, yeah. So that's on here as well. They yeah. And the holiday classics are bundled together as five episodes on Netflix. I also believe, it doesn't list it on the Blu-ray, but there is another uh, donkey Christmas special that's on here. That's oh, like, yeah. That's like his holiday party. And that one takes place, Shrek the Halls, that one takes place between Shrek 3 and Shrek 4. And the that donkey one takes place after shrek 4 this shrek continuity is getting too convoluted <laughs> uh yeah so speaking of that shrek the halls was a, a, the first holiday special dreamworks did and i mean i enjoyed it, it was cool as shrek really doesn't like the holiday spirit and he goes into the nearest town and gets this book to try to figure out how to give his family the best holiday he can and it's funny because he does it in his own like truck way, and it's it's just funny to see like the different stories they they tell and how they show them. Like uh, Puss tell, talks about uh, Santa Paws and sings uh, Flea's Navidad. Uh, but yeah, so they're pretty funny, and if if you liked Shrek, check it out. And the the donkey one is pretty funny too. Uh, and the last one, which is also the, the weakest of the three, which no surprise because Madagascar, I, I would I think is out of these films not as good as the others. Uh, it's Mary Madagascar, and it takes place in between Madagascar one and Madagascar two, and somehow Santa ends up on Madagascar, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, our four our four friends knock him out somehow on the head and so they have to take over uh delivering all the gifts for him on christmas and at one point they're given they're in new york 
and they could, you know, just stay there and not go back and bring the, the sleigh back to Santa. They're like, no, we need to we need to bring it back to Santa. And then he's going to, you know, have to give anything away, but they don't end up back in New York by the end of obviously, because then Madagascar 2 wouldn't happen. But, yeah, so that's that. And I guess they're going to be releasing a Valentine's Day special for Madagascar in February. And that is set apparently in between Madagascar 2 and Madagascar 3. So if you like Madagascar, definitely check that out. But if you don't, no need to. And the the, pe- the Penguins one is actually funnier than the the Merry Madagascar one. So if you like the Penguins, check that one out. But, yeah, so... Oh, and this week also Pixar re-released Monsters, Inc. in 3D in theaters. I, I know Justin and I got a chance to check that out this weekend. Have you had a chance yet, Matt? I have not had a chance yet. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what did, you, what did you think of the, the 3D in Monsters, Inc.? Yeah, this one was pretty good. The Because it's you know the nat- it's natively done in 3D, I think these all of these Pixar conversions to 3D have been great. I haven't enjoyed the, the hand-drawn... Like the be- we saw Beauty and the Beast together, yeah. and they're doing or Little Lion Mermaid, King. yeah, and Lion King. I haven't enjoyed those as much because I feel like it wasn't made to be in 3D. It wasn't meant to be in 3D. So the conversion for me haven't been as good as these ones that were. They're natively 3D. So yeah, I enjoyed the the 3D. Although we didn't get the the Sully glasses, we got the Hobbit glasses. But yeah. <laughs> other than that, oh, pa- Patrick got the the Mike Wazowski one, so at least he got some cool glasses out of it. Uh, I have one eyeball. <laughs> uh, no, but like <laughs> the yeah, the Sully ones for adults were like you know the Sully blue and had Sully on one of the the arms of the glasses, and then the the kids' glasses were green, the Mike Wazowski green, and had Mike on the side with uh, of the leg of the. Eye. Gotcha. But yeah, I guess if you went and saw it in 3D at uh, the El Capitan Theater in Los Angeles, you got these really cool kind of looking deluxe versions of the Sully ones where it looks like he's holding the front of the glasses with his hands and then it's got the Monsters Inc. logo in the middle of your your eyes. So Hmm. if you're in Los Angeles, go check it out there, I guess. But with... Oh yeah, I mean, and I have to say one one more thing about the Monsters Inc. 3D conversion: the door chase sequence near the end of the film. I think that benefited the best from it because when you can see the dimensionality, so that when the doors are opening and you like, and you can see like there's there's more 3D space within that door outside of like like you know like when Sully's hanging onto that and he looks like he's gonna fall, but the doors are going in. It, I don't. The door sequence just looks really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it gives it more depth. Yeah. So it looks like it's, yeah. That would make sense. It's definitely worth checking out. So, And, and then we're going to be talking about this in a, a few minutes, but the short that played before it for the birds, they actually converted to 3D as well. So that was cool. What? That. All, the, all the feathers in that at the end floating down, that was pretty awesome. Damn, now I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, and there was this cool, like, college ad for Monsters University. It wasn't really a trailer for the movie. It was like an ad you would see for like any kind of college in front of the in front of the film. So it was cool to see that too. But with that, that is our reviews and new releases for the week. And we'll be back in a few seconds with our news. I'm the kind of guy who can't stand a holiday. So I drink them all away. That's me. 
And now we're into our news for the week. The first bit of news today is pretty awesome if you're a Disney fan. And really, who isn't a Disney fan, at least for most of their stuff? Uh, Disney signed an exclusive deal to stream movies on Netflix. And this is pretty exciting just because now you're going to be able to, you know, eventually watch all the Pixar movies on Netflix instant. Right now, they have Dumbo, Pocahontas, Alice in Wonderland on there, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, a lot of their straight-to-DVD uh, films are going to be on there beginning in 2013. So, like, a bunch of their sequels they did, you know, during the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and then, starting in 2016, they're going to start getting their theatrical films. So, like, all, like, the, the Marvel films and, like, like, Pixar and the Star Wars Episode Seven that'll be coming out. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> This is definitely exciting to see this stuff because you're going to be getting a lot of cool Disney content on there, like maybe some things that you've never seen before. There's, I saw this old live-action Disney uh, Christmas film that was on there that I had never heard of before until I went on the Masterpiece podcast a few weeks ago, and they were talking about because they're going to be they're going to be doing it on their show, and now I can check that out, and it's, I think it's really cool just to be able to check all these things out. And there, they have all the Brave Little Toaster movies, except for the first one. Uh, they <laughs> have all the uh, CG Tinkerbell films on there. So if you haven't seen those, those are actually worth checking out because John Lasseter led, I mean, lended a hand to some of those. So you know, it's funny. I was looking at Netflix just now because I was checking out these holiday specials that we were talking about. And I saw Pocahontas just now on there. I was like, what? You got Pocahontas on here? And then that led to, if you like this, you'll like Aladdin, Little Mermaid, and there's a bunch of other ones. Um, not all of them are in HD, but that's pretty cool that you can watch them on Netflix right now. Yeah, so. Nice. Definitely, and I'm pretty sure, uh, they just posted this the other day, we haven't talked about it on the show yet, is that on March 12th, the Hunchback films, both one and two, Mulan one and two, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Brother Bear 1 and 2 are all going to be coming out in Blu-ray for the first time on March 12th next year. So I'm pretty sure most of those will be added to Netflix Instant that day, too. At least the, the part twos for all of those will be. Yeah. But I'm excited for those Blu-rays, too. Oh, yeah. I just want to lie on a Blu-ray. Uh, and from that new... Uh, Matt, actually, what do, you, what do you think about the Disney getting added to Netflix? I'm kind of pissed because I actually <laughs> just um, I just got DirecTV like this week, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I got DirecTV now. I'm just gonna because I've been watching. I had Netflix like solely for the last like two years, and now I'm oh, yeah. like, all right, I'm gonna get DirecTV, and I'm just gonna, you know, we're not gonna watch Netflix anymore, so I'm gonna cancel it. <laughs> So now, as soon as I heard this come out, I'm like, all right, well, it looks like I'm paying for both. <laughs> yeah. Time to sign back up. Yeah. So, well, it, it's a good thing. I mean, I can't wait to see some of those old Disney movies on yeah. there again. So, they'll be enjoyable to watch. That'll be worth the money a month, to, yeah. just just for the Disney movies. Yeah, seven, seven bucks a month for just the streaming on there it really isn't that bad of a deal for all the, the films that you can watch on there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 
I'll be glad to finally cross Hunchback of Notre Dame off my my shame list of oh, movies that I haven't man. seen. That, it is one of the few Disney animated movies I haven't seen. I can't believe this guy. <laughs> I've been trying to find it. I can't even find it on DVD anywhere to rent. But I'll have to check out iTunes maybe before it comes out on Blu-ray. Actually, I'm going to check Netflix right now while you keep talking. All right. Uh, so f- from there, we're going to talk about actual, actually, the b- next bit of news Justin was going to... Oh. <laughs> yeah, the the next bit of news is uh, the Ninja Turtles have gotten a Goonies reunion together, a little mini Goonies reunion. 27 years after the Goonies came out, the two of the stars of the movie, Sean Astin and Corey Feldman, reunited in the animation booth, or, I'm sorry, in the sound booth of uh, the Nickelodeon Animation Studios in Burbank, for season two of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the current series that's on Nickelodeon right now. Uh, if, if anyone doesn't know, Sean Astin plays Raphael. And uh, so Corey Feldman is coming in for season two. And Corey Feldman has a Turtles background. He has a connection to the Turtles because he, he voiced Donatello in two of the, the live-action movies. And that's that actually, his voice kind of uh, was in my... Even though the, the animated series voices are in my head his voice is in my head as well for the for the live action show because i was a big turtles fan all things turtles i went to a ninja turtles concert um coming out of the show yeah and it was that this is how ridiculous the turtles got in the 90s there was a live action uh a live action there was a concert where performers dressed in turtle suits were dancing and singing and it was insane there was a um, a Splinter music video that they did. There's nothing ridiculous about that. It thing. was, <laughs> it was Mark Vibbert's dream come true. <laughs> and he yeah. still wants it. But yeah, that I I uh, I was a big Turtles fan, so it's cool to see. I always like it when past connection, you know, actors that have past connections to the to a series or a franchise come in and do roles on the current series. So this is this is cool to hear. And what's kind of funny is that. Actually, both Corey Feldman and Sean Astin had tried out for the role of Raphael on this new series, and obviously Sean Astin beat him. And uh, I, apparently, uh, Corey Feldman said, "I said if it was anyone else, I would have taken it harder." But I, I love Sean, says Feldman, who was smoking at the time of his audition, sporting a voice that was ultimately deemed too raspy for the job. Uh, yeah, so yeah Corey Feldman is definitely not doing as well in his career as Sean Astin has since the Goonies, but hopefully maybe someday we'll get a Goonies too and from what Sean Astin has said, apparently that seems like an actual thing that might happen. Wow yeah, so Feldman seems to be doing a lot of uh voiceover work because he also worked on the Toon Disney series Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go and uh, now Ooh. the Turtles. So it's interesting to see where his career has gone. Definitely. And from there, we're going to get to the next bit of news, which is the 40th Annie nominations. And Matt is going to be talking about this. Yes. The 40th Annie Award nominations were announced December 3rd. And uh, it looks like ASIFA voters decided to spread the wealth among many of the year's animated features and TV shows. Um, in the crowded best animated feature category, eight pictures, uh, Pixar's Brave, Disney's Frankenweenie, and Wreck-It Ralph 
Um, Sony Animation's Hotel Transylvania focus features uh, Lakai Studios Paranorman and DreamWorks Rise of the Guardians, um, Sony Artemans The Pirates, totally awesome, Band of Misfits, and G-K- uh, G-Kids Rabbit Cat received the nominations. Rabbi's Cat. Rabbi's Cat <laughs> <laughs> received nominations. So I'm excited. We have Brave, we have Frankenweenie, we have Wreck-It Ralph, Hotel Transvania, <laughs> Paranorman, yes, um, Rise of the Guardians, still haven't seen it yet, uh, Pirates Band of Misfits, Misfits, totally awesome, and The Rabbi's Cat. Uh, what do you guys think of all of these nominations? I'll, I'll let Justin talk on it first. Yeah, all of these films are interesting. I haven't seen Rabbi's Cat or Pirates yet, oh, but all the other ones... Um, it's an interesting year for animation this year because, uh, for me, they were all enjoyable, but none of them were outstanding. Like, let's say, like a year when Wall-E came out or when Up came out. Um, this year's Pixar film, Brave, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it like I have past Pixar movies. So, that's yeah. to me, this year has been kind of uh, yeah, I enjoyed all of these movies. I a year of enjoyment, but not. Uh, I, I absolutely love this film. So, yeah, that's. All of these films are. It's kind of interesting to see which one is going to win. Yeah, I've I've seen all these except for that Rabbi's Cat one too, and I believe that might actually be on Netflix Instant too. So that they'll be worth checking out. Uh, but I will I, confirm that right now. Yeah, <laughs> I like these more than the Golden Globe nominations that came out too, because for that it was Rise of the Guardians, Brave, Frankenweenie, Wreck It Ralph, and Hotel Transylvania, and I was kind of upset about that. I like Jenny Tartakovsky, but I really think Paranorman should have been nominated for a Golden Globe over Hotel Transylvania. Because it yeah. has a better story to it. It's got better animation. And I don't know. That was the one thing I was upset about for the Golden Globe nominations. But no one should ever really take the Golden Globe nominations seriously anyways because they're the Golden Globes. I can confirm the Rabbi's Cat is not available on Netflix Watch Instant. But no. Fritz the Cat and Felix the Cat are available. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, and, yeah. And Heathcliff, too. Uh, some of the other things that got nominated for Annie Awards, do you want to talk about those two guys or just talk about the films? There, There is a huge list here. Um, <clears throat> do we want to go over, like, uh, the best? Let's see here. There's, Can you talk about animated um, series? Yeah, let me go. There's a quick little snippet here about among the uh, animated short nominees, only Paperman and Maggie Simpson in The Longest Daycare also made the Oscar short list. Yeah. And, and there's a little uh, short. Yeah, there's a little uh, quote here. Um, I'm very excited about this year's slate of nominees, remarked uh, ASIFA Hollywood president Frank Gladstone. We had more submissions to choose from this year than for than for any uh, prior year in any award history. Running uh, Game Nut from big studio features to indie films, TV series to internet shows, games, shorts, and for the first time, student films. So that's pretty big. Yeah, student pretty films cool. now. Um, all showcasing a huge variety of venues, creativity, technical innovation, and storytelling that our art form has to offer. Yeah, that's huge. I didn't know that the student films were just uh, included this year. That's really cool. That's that's awesome for them too. Because if they they win, I mean, that's going to help them get jobs. And 
we'll eventually see some yeah. awesome films from those those guys too. And that's the good, um, you know, like breakthrough um, to like better filmmaking, I think, too, because instead of you know having all these big studios with big money, you know, get all like the directors who are already well known, we get these people who have talent and you know can make good films that aren't recognized and don't have a lot of money to get their stuff out there being recognized within you know the Annie Awards. That's great. I noticed uh, in the nominee category there's animated video game. I don't understand that category. Is there a live action video game category? I know there's you know there's some video games that feature sometimes video, full motion video, but these you know it's like ninety nine percent of video games are animated. So I don't I don't understand this category. The only thing I think they should call it with that is maybe like best. Uh like cut scenes or something like that because yeah that animation well. for them but i don't know for the animated tv series our archer uh bob's burgers yeah. motor city uh and each of these are for an episode they did so there was one that was space race part one for archer uh your sea rider for bob's burger motor city uh blonde thunder which that's a Disney TV animation thing. Uh, Mad, which is a Frankenweenie para Morgan uh, parody, apparently. Oh, oh. Frankenweenie. Uh, uh, Robot Chicken DC comic special, and then South Park Raising the Bar. And then the anim- best animated special, uh, which are basically like half-hour projects or direct for DVD movies. There's Warner Brothers, Batman the Dark Knight Returns Part 1, uh, Illuminations Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem, uh, Disney's Tron Uprising, Beck's Beginning, which that show is pretty awesome. Uh, DreamWorks Dragons, Gift of the Night Fury. Uh, Warner Brothers Justice League Doom and Starburns Industries uh, before RL Trust. Whenever When I just read Starburns, it just made me think of community. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, there's a bunch of good stuff on here. I mean, and plenty of things to look forward to from everybody involved. Yep. And uh, just one little last little note. Um, we had our guest on last year, uh, our friend Jason Marsden, and he actually presented at the uh, Annie Awards. And maybe um, after the awards are presented this year, we can get him back on the show and get a behind the scenes look with him again. That was pretty fun. Definitely have to so, contact Jason and see if he'll come back. Are you out there? Please. <laughs> uh one last thing about this is the animation directors, best category for them. Uh, the ones for them were Jenny Tartakovsky for Hotel Transylvania. See, I would rather he got nominated by himself than the film. Uh, Joanne Sfar and Antoine Delsavo, I'm sorry if I'm royally screwing up these guys' names. Uh, Remy Beza, why those? <laughs> Bezan Khan and Jean Christopher Lai for Zafra. Or Zarafa, uh, Rich Moore for Wreck It Ralph, and Sam Fell and Chris Butler for Paranorman. So I'm excited for the Annie Awards, and I wish they were on TV. But I think that when we had Jason on, he said that they were available to watch online. So the yeah, we'll have to check that, that out check this year. Our last bit of news for this week is everybody's favorite app that has made more money than possibly any app for for the phone has ever made with merchandise and candy and basically anything you can think of that has tie-in merchandise to it. So essentially, the Star Wars merchandising equivalent for an app for a phone. <laughs> but 
Angry Birds CG and which is kind of funny because the Angry Birds CG animated movie adaptation coming in 2016. There is a Star Wars Angry Birds, so they finally crossed over within that. But yeah, uh, cons- Rovio is going to be doing an animated CG 3D film for Angry Birds, and they're doing it, I guess, out of the studio system so that they can produce it and then try to basically shop it around. And uh, John Cohen will be producing it, who has uh, shepherded Despicable Me, uh, Ice Age, The Meltdown, and Alvin and the Chipmunks, and Horton Hears a Who. Uh, some of those, it, like from this article from Screen Rant, where our friend Mr. Justin Vactor writes for, uh, says that doesn't a lot of those don't really inspire confidence, which, yeah, especially Ice Age, The Meltdown, and Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> I'm interested to see how they'll do a full-length animated film for Angry Birds. If they're going to make them actually be able to speak, if it'll be a silent-esque film, much like the first half of Wally is, or it'll just be interesting, I guess, to to see how this will turn out. And what do you, what do you guys think about it? Are we still going to care about Angry Birds in 2016? Because I feel like. Yeah, it's it's a hugely popular franchise right now, but what's the longevity of Angry Birds? I, I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't even begin to think of the dynamics of how this world would work, you know, animated or, you know, voices or yeah. who knows? I mean, maybe make it into a short film, you know? Yeah. Or I mean, or, I, I can see maybe yeah, like a TV special that's maybe like a half an hour. Yeah. I mean, I can see the 3D adding something to it because, I mean, if they're, like, you know, slingshotting themselves and they're like, oh, they just shot me right at the, t- at the screen. I guess I almost got hit by an angry bird. <laughs> I'm sure the story will revolve around something about the pigs stealing eggs from the birds, like, in the original game. If, if anybody actually remembers, like, what the actual storyline is supposed to be for the game, and then the, the birds get angry, which is why they're angry birds, and <laughs> so they take it out on the, the pigs and knock down their houses by slingshotting their bodies physically into the pigs' houses. <laughs> I'd like to see a live-action horror film of actually this. That'd be great. Well, I, I believe if you if you search on YouTube, you can find things where people have made live-action uh, recreations of Angry Birds, and they're pretty hilarious. They probably will be better <laughs> than well. I'm not. I'm not going to discount the film yet, but they probably will end up being better than the CG animated film for Angry Birds when it does come out in 2016. I always skip the cutscenes in Angry Birds. I just want to play the game. I don't care about the storyline or why they're angry. <laughs> I just go straight to the game. But let's say my son is excited about it, but will he still be excited about it when? He is four years older than he is right now. So, uh, yeah, because, I mean, that seems like way too far off If now that I'm really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that's our news for the week, and we'll be back in a few seconds with the new trailers. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Uh, From there, we're going to talk about the trailers this week. Uh, And the first one is the new full theatrical trailer for (coughs) Crudes. 
Uh, Matt just got a chance to watch this finally. Uh, what do you think about the film now that you got to see this full trailer that now introduces us to Ryan Reynolds' Ryan Reynolds character guy? I I like it a lot better. <laughs> I mean, the first um, trailer that came out, it was kind of a more serious um, themed, um, you know, like teaser. And uh, with this, it introduced you know some more humor. And uh, I even liked like the grandma showed up in this uh, the- uh, theatrical trailer, and I, I think I liked the humor a lot better than um, the first one and uh, it changed my mind a little bit about it I think it's going to be pretty good Um, the imagery looks great and uh, I think the storyline now that I actually see there is you know a storyline I think it'll be pretty good definitely I I like the animation lot in here it looks really cool you have Betty White making her rounds doing another appearance on something else (laughs) yeah that's got to be like the the best second wind for an actor like voice acting yeah. In their career for like, because she's had so much stuff in the past like few years, all of a sudden for apparently almost no reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the crudes look pretty good. I liked the little jokes they had in there with uh, uh, Nicolas Cage's character wanting the grandmother to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, so. some of the other jokes in there with like belts and shoes, that was cool too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. D- and actually, both these trailers are from DreamWorks films that are coming out this year that ironically, well, not ironically, but both star of the voice of Ryan Reynolds, which is kind of funny. Uh, the next one is Turbo, which is, we talked about this a little bit before, it's the snail wanting to be a race car driver movie. And the teaser finally came out for this, which kind of eased a little bit of what I was thinking about this movie. And still not completely... The animation looks really great for the, like the racing scenes that they show. Yeah, even with the uh, the snail, I mean, it looks pretty good. I mean, I'll tell you, the initial artwork, we were like, "Oh God, no!" <laughs> but I mean, it, it looks like it's going to turn out to be okay. That's I'll, it, I'll just it say that a really right now. Good voice cast going for it too. It's, I mean, you have Ryan Reynolds again for that. Uh, then you also have Paul Giamatti, Michael Pena, Luis Guzman. Bill Hader, Richard Jenkins, Ken Jeong, yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, Maya Rudolph, uh, Kurtwood Smith, you dumbass. <laughs> but yeah, so. Oh, Snoop. It says Snoop Dogg, so apparently it's before he changed to Snoop Lion, and Samuel L. Jackson. So it definitely has a, a good voice cast going for it. Nice. So definitely check these trailers out if you watch them. Uh, And from there, we're going to get into our recommendations and stories for the week. My recommend, first recommendation for this week is the LA Times roundtable discussion uh, for animation. We had uh, Mark Andrews for Brave. I think Justin's going to pull up the other guys around there. You had the directors, the director of one of the directors from Paranorman on there as well. You had the director of Rise of the Guardians, uh, Reggae Ralph, and Hotel Transylvania. So 
it was it was interesting to watch this to see how all these guys interacted with each other. Mark Andrews definitely is a, a guy that likes to take charge of the conversation a lot. You'd see that while you were watching that. The Rise of the Guardians director, I feel bad because I'm forgetting all, all their names right now, but he seemed to be the, the quietest along with uh, the director of Paranorman. And it was a really interesting like discussion to, to watch this and see what they had to say about the direction of where animation was going and how appreciative they were of what had been going on with animation this year and seeing where it can go from here. And it's definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of animation, which if you're listening to this podcast, I would assume that you are. Uh, but did neither of you guys check this out either? Well, it was it's an hour-long yeah. roundtable discussion. I mean, I just checked out a snippet of it, and it's like it's all five directors like in a, in a semicircle with like the interviewer, um, you know, asking questions. And I mean, it, I, I want to watch this. I'm going to look it up and see what they all have to say about, um, like you said, the direction of animation in this year's animated films. Where was Brendan Chapman? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's what I wanted. I wanted Brendan Chapman there. I wanted more of her on the special features of the Brave Blu-ray too. So, Brenda Chapman, if you're listening, we, we, we want to see more of you talk about Brave. Because we know it's more personally your story. I don't know how much of the actual what's left of the film is still technically her personal story, but I know that's how it started. So I would have liked to hear like you know more of how that became from her. The other directors were Peter Ramsey, Chris Butler, and Rich Moore. Thank you, Justin. Uh, and the next thing is if you guys are a fan of the Louis C.K. show, Louis, and Charlie Brown, you will love the short. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas reunion, uh, and it's in the style of the show Louie, but it, it's awesome because it's Charlie Brown, and you see like where Charlie and Linus, Lucy, not Peppermint Patty. Uh, who was Peppermint Patty's uh, friend? Marcy. Marcy. Mar- Mar- yeah. yeah. Marcy. You, you see where all of these uh, these people are later in their lives and it's funny to, to to see like what's going on with linus uh lucy and everybody else it's it's really funny and if if you like louis or if you just like charlie brown it's it's funny and it's definitely worth checking out it's really funny what did what did you guys think about it when you watched it i thought it was great <laughs> i mean i i haven't checked out louis so I, I didn't know the style or like the crude humor, <laughs> but it's it, it's really good. I mean, it's it's more adult oriented. Yeah, it's it's not safe for work or yeah or around the kids. Definitely not. But I mean, it just it gives us a look of you know what <laughs> could have been later in life um, if everything had gone to hell, <laughs> basically. <laughs> So it's pretty good. And, you know, they visit each of the characters and where they're at latest, you know, later in life. And it's funny how you see a Linus and it's like he's a hoarder now. (laughs) And it's it's pretty good. So I I definitely recommend checking out. I had a good laugh. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. The uh... (laughs) it did a pretty good job with animation. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. I like that. Uh, also like that like Snoopy lived to be like 127 dog years. Yeah. So I mean Snoopy's not in it obviously because he's dead because the dog lasted that long that would be kind of insane. But uh, yeah, it's funny to to definitely see where all these guys are. Pigpen and uh, 
yeah, the one that that was funny is uh, yeah, <laughs> Jefferson's on it right now. The I don't remember what the piano player dude's name is. Do you remember Schroeder? Schroeder and oh, what, what was his name? I thought I could. I'll just call him Token. Uh, <laughs> Schroeder and Token uh, in in the bar that that Charlie goes into. Yeah, I'll, I won't say what happens, but if, when you get to that scene, it's definitely interesting. And for anybody that uh, was ever upset that Charlie Brown always fell for Lucy's uh, football joke, you'll you'll love the ending of this. That's all I'm yeah. gonna say about that. Uh, so, what's your re- recommendation for the week, Matt? Um, mine is a student film, uh, Stray. Um, let me talk a little bit about this. Um, it's a <clears throat> the Stray short film. It's you can find it on uh, Vimeo. Um, the reason I picked this, um, the imagery was amazing. The first, like the cinematography in the beginning of this was great. I loved all like the cuts and just the, um, kind of elegance of the intro of this. And, um, the storyline kind of follows where, uh, there's this, um, kind of futuristic, um, character on this cloud um, kind of like a home base, like hovering, uh, in the clouds. And, uh, he finds, um, you know, something crash landed into his home and it, it turns out to be like a, a, a buddy for him. Cause in, um, and it, it, you know, preludes to that, uh, in the beginning where he's like trying to find himself like a buddy, like a friend. Cause it seems like he's all alone up there. And this dog that crash lands on his, uh, um, his like home base little pod thing. Um, they have a nice little interaction and a story there and there's no, like, there's no voice, um, acting or anything. It's just a really, um, you know, uh, cinematic, musical, really, really well animated uh, film. So, that what did you guys think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I, the first shot reminded me of, of Cloud City from Empire Strikes Back, like with his pops or his like hovering base. There reminded me of that. And then what's funny is like the the main character in it, his his movements and everything for some reason reminded me a lot of Bob Parr from The Incredibles. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I kept thinking of the entire time. Um, the one shot I liked in it a lot that I thought was cool is that when that alarm goes off, he looks like the animation for that is really well done because he looks like he was genuinely startled by the sound and like. So I thought that was really well done, and then everything else about it looked great. The CG animation, everything else. Yeah, what's cool is on on Vimeo as well. They have a little early animatic for the film that you can check out and see kind of the you know the creation of it before it got to the full uh fully animated process but yeah i enjoyed it as well yeah it's nice that you can um that vimeo is just like uh it, it seems to have become a real like home for uh, animators and, you know, their own personal short films. And, uh, you know, I go on there a lot to check out, you know, everyone's personal work that they've done. And it seems to be really a close community. I mean, you don't see a lot of spam out there mm-hmm. on Vimeo. You always see a lot of really good um 
animated films and sometimes features on there. And I, and I like how you said that they have the animatic on here so you can see their progression as well. So it's, it's really neat to see stuff like that. And, um, I think it's a great website for, um, personal animations and videos and really to get out there. I mean, just us reviewing, um, short films on there really gets, uh, people, people's attention to these type of things. So I think it's great. Yeah, so definitely check that out if you guys have not seen that yet. What's your recommendation for the week, Justin? Angry Birds the movie. Before it was the movie, it was a short film that Pixar did called For the Birds, which we got a chance to see once again when we saw Monsters Incorporated in 3D. And like Mark said, it was converted to 3D as well when we saw it in the theater. So that was a a surprise for us and a treat. Because I was actually wondering... When the movie started, if they were going to play the the short, just like they would in the original theatrical run of Monsters Incorporated, and then when it came on, uh, Vibert and I were both surprised that uh, that they actually were going to play it. So we we got the chance to enjoy it and to see one of the earlier um, Pixar shorts was interesting to go back to something that you know that came out. A decade ago, or however long, how long, however long ago it was, um, and seeing the, like I said, the the earlier, and you could see the branches of where it it went off into, and where Pixar is currently with their animated shorts, uh, back to where they were at this point. It was that was what was the most interesting part to me. I haven't seen, I hadn't seen for the birds in a while, uh, but I I definitely uh, enjoyed it again. So it's definitely worth checking out. Again, you can you can find the short on YouTube if you're looking for it, or if you have the, the volume one of the Pixar shorts Blu-ray or DVD, it's on there as well, or the Monsters Inc. Blu-ray on DVD. So definitely check that out if you guys have not seen that yet, and if you haven't, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> so from there, those are all recommendations for the week, and we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic, the holiday specials. Happy holidays, everybody. Here's our main topic for the week. Uh, the first thing I just wanted to touch on really quick is the website How It Should Have Ended dot com did a, a short last year, which was a, an animated short talking about all the holiday specials. And in there, uh, there's a, a funny thing about Polar Express, and they, all the, the kids are like, "We look like ghosts." <laughs> but yeah it's, it's a cool little thing how it should have ended does really awesome shorts i've talked about them before and it's definitely worth going back to check out this holiday special thing that they did last year and it's a funny little like remark on how like all this stuff goes wrong around christmas time and like these different films so definitely check it out uh and then the first one we've talked, talked briefly about before uh, we haven't heard justin's thoughts on it before i don't think but i'm not even sure if he's actually seen it is prep and landing I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but it's on my it's on my list. I was checking to see uh, if it was on Netflix, but it is sadly not. 
you know, there's a live we've reviewed uh, prep and landing a couple of times on the show, I think. And, uh, you know, lately, like it came out. When did it come out? Two years ago or last year? Yeah, 2010. 2010. Just like lately, I've gone into like, you know, like the Hallmark store and there is prep and landing merchandise like you wouldn't believe. Like there is like the little um, air traffic controller, like director things like the uh, Christmas tree light up flashlights. There's like uh, the Santa hats with the ears. There's all sorts of merchandise for prep and landing that I've seen come out like this year. So it's interesting how that holds up, you know? Definitely. Uh, And I mean, if you guys haven't seen it yet, the Blu-ray is out with the two specials that they did and a few of the shorts, the Totally Tinsel Collection. So if you haven't seen that yet, go check it out on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, The next one is for all of you Jewish people out there, Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, uh, which touches on Hanukkah and Christmas, and it's also a musical, and it's Adam Sandler in animated form doing about three or four voices in this movie. Uh, It's in HD on Netflix Instant, too, if you haven't, if you don't own it, or if you have it on DVD and you'd rather see it in HD, definitely check it out that way. What do you guys think about Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights? It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, it's interesting to see uh, Adam Sandler's image uh, portrayed as a cartoon character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It it seems like uh, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like he is in real life, like he's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, the whole thing around it is, uh, you know, he's a jerk. Uh, during you know Christmas time and whatnot, and uh, it, it is interesting to see some of the characters that aren't him and how animated they are. So I mean, it, it, there's like um, I can't remember exactly the storyline, but the the old guy and the old woman that live that is that's his parents, right? No, uh, no. Basically, the reason what well, yeah, well, his parents aren't around. In, in the film, that's why he's such like a, a, a D-bag and what. Yeah, 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 and yeah. He's, he does something where he's sentenced to community service, and the older guy, Whitey, takes him in with his, his sister to kind of rehabilitate him and whatnot. So, and then stuff ensues from there with yeah. a girl that he used to like when he was younger and her son. And you see, it, it's got the standard kind of like holiday you know thing going for it with him learning lessons and things with that. And it's got cool, it's got all the music and it. it was written by Adam Sandler. So it's got, if you listen to like some of his older albums with the music he's done, it's got that, that feel okay. to it. And you get Hanukkah song, the Hanukkah song part three. So, <laughs> and it, the animation actually holds up pretty well in the HD that it's in and Netflix too. So I enjoyed this. Uh, and you get Rob Schneider doing a few voice as the narrator too. <laughs> So it's always nice when Rob Schneider gets a job. Yeah, there's a couple of Saturday Night Live alums here. Kevin Nealon and John Lovitz do voices. And strangely enough, Tyra Banks, I don't remember her being in the movie. I but don't remember uh, her at all either. She does a voice. And then uh, I know Mark Vibbert's favorite actors, Cole and Dylan Sprouse. Oh, man, they did a voice in there? Apparently. Huh. But I wiped my re-watch own ass. It. I wiped my own ass. Well, that, that that's cool. I didn't I didn't realize there was a Big Daddy reunion in that movie before. So I, I bet it. I, 
but the obvious thing is that it's either him as a kid or the kid in the film is them doing the voice. All right, so from Eight Crazy Nights to some holiday classics done in stop-motion animation by Rankins and Bass. Uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and The Drummer Boy. Uh, I'm kind of lumping all these together because they're all done by, produced by the same guys. Uh, when you, I mean, I remember Rudolph really well and Santa Claus from when I was a kid. And I remember just, like loving those immensely. Uh, Mr. Justin Vactors bought all the pop figures for Rudolph last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is cool. I've seen people recently online calling it like the Batman Begins for Santa Claus. You kind of see like his <laughs> origin and everything, which that is really cool. That's a cool way to do that story for, for him. And, and I like, uh, and the, the animation in these holds up really well. Uh, the Drummer Boy, I, I didn't really like as much. And I don't know if that sounds bad because, I mean, that's the only one that doesn't deal with like Santa or whatnot. Because it's the one that actually deals with like the nativity and whatnot. And it wasn't because of that, but it was because I didn't find the story as engaging. And I don't know, I didn't really like, I don't, never really liked the Drummer Boy as much as I liked Santa Claus who's coming to town and, and Rudolph. Yeah. What do you, you guys think about? I mean, obviously, these two are always like, quoted or referenced around this time of year and holiday specials of other TV shows now too. Yeah. I wasn't, I don't uh, remember that one from my, you know, from growing up. I remember every year seeing the Rudolph and the frosty, the snowman. Um, those ones were the big ones. I remember cause I was a huge stop motion uh, and cl- a claymation fan when I was younger, and then it was this and the California Raisins were the two. Things yes, that, those were <laughs> what got me into stop motion, and uh, uh, so yeah, that those were big memories for me. So actually, when I was opening up those pop figures last night, that was what was in my head. Like I, when I would pulled out Rudolph and when I pulled out the Abominable Snowman, it was like that. That was it. It immediately brought me back to watching those as a kid. Uh, we should talk about the the year without a Santa Claus they did too, which was kind of a sequel to Rudolph. Uh, um, Rudolph's Happy New Year. I remember they did that too, but the year without a Santa Claus had the heat miser and the the cold miser in there too. So like, and they have pop figures for those two oh, yeah. also. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember this little drummer boy. I'm looking at it on YouTube right now. I don't think I ever saw this as a kid. Yeah, there's there's a, I, I, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I remember the drummer boy. It was, I mean, it was very vague, but yeah, it wasn't the most popular of yeah. the, you know, stop mo animated mm-hmm. uh, Disney Christmas classics. But um, yeah, and it's just it's interesting to see the animation done in. I mean, especially Rudolph was one of my absolute favorites. Um, it was, I mean, it's done. It was done so long ago. Even the. Uh, like the title sequence, like the intro to uh, Rudolph, you know, you see adaptations of that everywhere now. Mm-hmm. People try and copy that. Even that, you see like those cell phone commercials where like they're in like I can't remember oh, yeah. the last one where you see like they try to remake um, these movies for like TV commercials because that's how popular you know they were and how they are and they still hold up and it's 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 interesting to see the animation in these because that's you know back in a time when you know animation was still fairly new 
and this it was done in such a way that it will never be done again like you know the sets that were made for um you know rudolph and santa's clauses coming to town you'll never see that type of detail like in sets ever again it's just amazing to me like looking back on it um how you know well the job was actually done on those and the animators that worked on it, it, it i mean it reminds me of the harryhausen you know all hit like oh, yeah. his stop motion and it just i mean it's it's back in that era where um there, there's kind of a crudeness to the animation mm-hmm. but it's like a good crudeness like mm-hmm. it's you know it's 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 like a rough um you know you get you get the idea of you know what the characters are doing but there's just this roughness to it that gives it like um just it's classic look and i really like that and i don't think we'll see anything like that ever again and like other tv specials we've seen like home improvement i remember a christmas special they did where tim at one point gets knocked on the head and like his entire dream sequence is done in this uh stop motion animation (laughs) Uh, and I remember when I went to Disney World once I got to see them it was cool to see the, the stop motion figures they had done for home improvement uh, another one that I was going to talk about later but we can talk about it right now is a Community did an episode in season 2 for their Christmas special Oh yeah, called Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas where he sees everything as as done in the stop motion animation and the entire episode was done like that it's done in this is great kind of like more adult way because the, the references that they make and whatnot, but it was done just as cool and it references things from that and because of how into pop culture Abbott is he's constantly making references to like <laughs> Rudolph and Santa Claus is coming to town and then we can't forget <clears throat> the opening to to Elf uh, the Will Ferrell movie too it touches oh, on yeah. references to to these movies like with Mr. Norwal and our Arctic puppet <laughs> yeah the, and, and the, the, the snowman that he talks to is like right it's the Burl Ives snowman taken right from the Rudolph short. So, I mean, they're that classic where everybody's still talking about them. There was one that we didn't talk about during Halloween that they did that was called uh, Mad Monster Party or something like that, that that Ralph Apple told me about, which I started watching that. He's going to be upset, but I liked that about as much as I liked the little drummer boy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they do a lot of holiday specials. They did an Easter Bunny one. I remember I saw Justin was bringing up what they did to Jack Frost one for the holidays as well. So if you haven't seen a lot of these, they're worth checking out. I bet you can find a lot of them on YouTube now. There is a a box set that I bought years back that's all. It's called like the original Christmas classics, and it has like Santa Claus in there, Frosty, Rudolph. And I want to say Rinkin the Best actually produced Frosty too because it was an, hand drawn animation, but they produced that one, yeah. but yeah, these are these are the classics that are on every year that are played on ABC and NBC and CBS and whatnot. So, chances are you've seen these before. And from that, we're gonna segue into another one that's always on TV every time this year. Every time is the Charlie Brown Christmas, which we got into the reunion a little while ago. But <laughs> this is another classic, and I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it for growing up watching it and memories you have about it. Yeah, I think that was the first, that might be the first Charlie Brown thing that I ever saw was the Christmas. Um, I'm trying to think. But yeah, the the, the music is what uh, really stands out to me. Uh, a lot of a lot of the, the songs got stuck into my head. And the Christmas tree, which 
they sell that. We saw it at FYE. We were in uh, FYE yeah. this, earlier this week, and we saw the actual Christmas tree that you could buy. Uh, it's the exact same one that Charlie Brown gets. So, yeah, that's a classic um, film that I, I enjoy thoroughly. Yeah. Like you said, I think it, it is one of the first Charlie Brown films I've seen. I saw it when I was younger as well. Um, was a Charlie Brown Christmas, and you know, my back in the day when there was still VHS. I think my uh, my yeah, well, there's still VHS, but you know, um, when you had to record things off the TV with VHS, I'm pretty sure um, we had you know um, we recorded um, the TV show. Um, a Charlie Brown Christmas, and you know, you put it on a VHS tape, which VS, VHS tape. I can't even say it. it's <laughs> it's going out of date. It's going out of, but uh, um, you know, we'd have the VHS tape, you know, with Sharpie marker that says a Charlie Brown Christmas on it, and every year we pop it in, and it would have you know the fuzz, and you'd have to fast forward through the commercials, and it was great, you know, and that was um. That was Christmas every year, popping in that and watching it. And I think I remember, you know, watching it at my grandparents' lot. And it, just, and like you said too, the the music really stands out. Like you, you can turn on any Christmas like, uh, you know, radio, uh, station. radio station, and you can hear it. Like you hear the Christmas time or the the Linus and Lucy theme became a Christmas song. Yeah. Too. Everywhere. You can hear it everywhere. You go into like a convenience store, anywhere, you'll hear it. So, I mean, it's that big of a deal. Um, Charlie Brown Christmas. And like you said, the merchandise is everywhere. We had it in our old, we had that Chris, the Charlie Brown Christmas tree in our old uh, dorm room. <laughs> and if, if our, our friend Alex, um, he used to have it. And uh, when we were moving out of the, uh, uh, townhouse this is i've never told anybody this this is for like the first time but i actually smashed the bulb no <laughs> it, it, it was my fault i'm sorry alex wherever you are i'll buy a new one but <laughs> i did it i was the one that smashed it and then i packaged it up and i put it <laughs> in your things so sorry and uh yeah <laughs> the holiday miracle of truth uh yeah i mean and then Charlie Brown is just as much reference in everything nowadays too. I remember there was a thing they did on SNL one one year in their uh, Saturday TV Funhouse thing, where you know there's the one scene in uh, Charlie Brown Christmas where all the kids go around and like they shake their hands in front of things and in the style oh, animation yeah. they did and it becomes better. <laughs> like the short for that was they run around and they like make this old beat up car and it like turns into like this really nice red sports car. Uh, and then they they go to Peppermint Patty. <laughs> they turn her into like a uh, and uh, what, what man Marcy again, and they do that in front of them, and they become uh, uh, the the male fantasy version of of lesbians <laughs> kissing each other. Uh, yeah, and, th- and there's some other stuff in there, and they do they do something to Charlie Brown, and like he turns into like a really good looking guy with like a full head of hair and everything. So it's funny to see that a bunch of the the other Charlie Brown holiday specials are on. Netflix and so now actually they added like a whole slew of them on there. There's uh, it's a Christmas time again, Charlie Brown. Some of these aren't as well known, obviously, as the Charlie Brown Christmas, but there's Christmas tales on there. Uh, I want a, a dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown, and there's and then they have Happy New Year, Charlie Brown, too. So if you're into Charlie Brown, they definitely just added a whole bunch of stuff to Netflix, Netflix for that. <laughs> 
Uh, and now we're going to journey down with the Polar Express into the Uncanny Valley and let Matt take that away. <laughs> the Polar Express. We do this every year and I love it. Um, so for all you viewers out there that have heard me rant about the Uncanny Valley, um, I actually pulled out a textbook this year to explain it. And actually, um, the Polar Express is written into the textbook under the Uncanny Valley. And now, I, when I was in um, college, I was taking uh, Intro to Film. And uh, the book I'm referring to right now is Looking at Movies, An Introduction to Film by Richard uh, Barsam. And um, <clears throat> under the CGI and the Uncanny Valley listed in the textbook, this is textbook. I'm not making this stuff up, but it's um, it refers to two films, um, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within and The Polar Express. And um, I'm, I'm going to skip over a lot of it, but I want to read you a part where uh, in 2004, cinematographers Don um, Burgess and Robert Presley, they described uh, the Uncanny Valley. And their description of it is a feeling of discomfort, uh, discomfort or revulsion while watching um, the two movies, uh, Polar Express and Final Fantasy Spirits Within. It's, um, this is a negative response may be explained by the Uncanny Valley. And that's a theoretical notion originally conceived to explain why we tend to react negative to, uh, negatively to robotic designs that mimic human appearance and mannerisms too faithfully. So it, it's basically describing these movies as, you know, they're not completely you know, realistic. And that's why we tend to negatively, uh, you know, reject them and, you know, think that they're weird looking. So <laughs> that's straight from like textbook, the uncanny Valley and the polar express is one of those films that uses, um, motion capture on CG characters. And it just, it gives you this very uncomfortable, Feeling. I mean, it, it's a great story, um, you know, and um, people love it. You see merchandise everywhere. I, I know a lot of people that love this movie, but for me, it's just watching it. I, I do. I get that type of feeling. And I'll tell you what, Polar Express, I think, is the worst um, offender of this uncanny valley. And I think I showed I saw a graph once in another textbook that showed like the actual valley um, in a graph form. And the Polar Express was the very tip of that graph. <laughs> or should I say valley? Yes. <laughs> very bottom. So, um that is my explanation of the Uncanny Valley. And what are your guys' views on the Polar Express? Uh, well, if if people do like the story of this, but they don't like the animation, it is based on a book, so they can go check out the book and, <laughs> and read that. I'll let Justin talk on his thoughts about the movie really quick. Yeah, I'm. I not. I wouldn't call myself a fan of the Polar Express. I got a chance to see. Um, there's something that's available in theaters called D-Box uh, around the country, and it's where basically they just add motion to your seat as you're watching the movie. And Polar Express is one of the movies that um, I got a chance to see um, a snippet of in D-Box. So when the train was on the track, the seat was 
was rumbling as if you were on the train. So that was kind of cool. But I've never been a fan of the Robert Zemeckis motion capture, Beowulf, Christmas Carol, any of that. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't, um, I don't particularly enjoy that style of animation. It's not one of my favorites. Uh, trying to be a little bit too realistic. Um, so, yeah, that's Polar Express was kind of when it first came out. I remember it because uh, I was working at a video rental store at the time, and it was a pretty popular holiday movie um, every year. So I remember it having a big kind of um, fan following and reputation, but I've just I've never been a fan of that that style in particular. Uh, I mean, I I, th- I mean I think it's an o- okay movie. Um, my son enjoys it a lot. He enjoys the I mean the music is good in the film, uh, and it does. Tom Hanks plays like eight hundred parts in the movie. Actually, I was going to say <laughs> that's the thing that I think is the biggest strength of it is if you could get and we saw it with Tintin, you yeah. can get Andy Serkis or an actor like that where they can disappear into the role. And Jim Carrey kind of did it in Christmas Carol and uh, Beowulf kind of had the same thing where you have those, you can have the the actors who are talented enough to play multiple roles and disappear into it. You can get that one step further of you're not seeing the actual actor, so you're not having to hide them behind prosthetics or makeup or anything like that. You can actually change their physical form so that's the um, the benefit of this, and you can still capture their performance through the the motion capture. You're actually still getting the actor's performance. So that's what I think is the biggest strength of it, and that's probably why Robert Zemeckis likes it so much and has been using it for the past decade before this year when he released his you know flight um, uh, an actual live action movie. But he had been working exclusively in that medium for the past decade. So yeah. that's probably yeah. one of the reasons why he likes it. So I, I think it's interesting and we've seen it a lot in video games as well as, as video games have been progressing. There's been a lot of motion captures, the stuff with uncharted oh, yeah. on the PlayStation <laughs> and things like that. So it's, I find it interesting, but um, I don't know. It feels, it almost feels like you're losing the soul of the performance uh, when you, yeah. when you go through motion capture. So um, I, I noticed my rating on Netflix was I gave it a three out of five. That's that's about <laughs> where I stand. I, I didn't I don't dislike it, but I don't really love it either. So it's just kind of like yeah, it's it's a movie. There it is. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you guys haven't seen it yet, it is on Netflix Instant in HD, I believe. Yeah. So definitely worth checking it out there if if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and I'm, if I'm you know, correct, I want doesn't Tom Hanks play the little boy too? Uh, that I don't know. I know he plays a lot of roles in yeah. it, but um, yeah, I I was thinking about it. I probably would have loved this movie as a kid because of the adventure that this kid goes on and placing yeah. myself in that kid's shoes. Uh, yeah. So I, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more as a kid. That's probably why why my son Patrick likes it so much. But yeah, I mean, and and from there we'll go to we'll start talking about the Christmas Carol, which is another film Zemeckis did. In the same style, with Jim Carrey playing uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, all three of the, the ghosts of uh, past, present, and future. I want to say he might have played one more character in it, but probably there, there's many. I mean, there's a lot of good actors that were in that film too. I want to say Gary Oldman played a part in it. Crispin Glover. 
So a little Back to the Future reunion there with Zemeckis. <laughs> and they always, they also worked on Beowulf together. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, I mean Christmas Carol is another one of the, those holiday things that's been done a million times with a million different things. Like you have the Flintstones Christmas Carol, you have the Smurfs Christmas Carol, you have a Muppet Christmas Carol like we talked about last week. Uh, you have this one, the the one that Zemeckis did. I mean. I think Christmas Carol is probably the most adapted story that's ever been done. Doctor Who did a, a Christmas Carol story a few years ago. So, I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on various different Christmas Carols that you've seen? Oh, there's Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. I'll just remember. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if you, you can think of a property, there's probably a Christmas Carol version of that. So, what do you think of, of some of these Christmas Carol films, Matt? <laughs> Um, I recently just saw um, Disney's A Christmas Carol with uh, Jim Carrey. And I remember I wanted to see this um, when it came out um, in theaters. And uh, I really wanted to see it because I like uh, Jim Carrey. And you can see – and seeing it now, you can see a lot of the acting um, that Jim Carrey did mm-hmm. um, in the movie is, uh, you know, it came through in the animation. And I really like it. But it does, like I was saying in the Polar Express with the Uncanny Valley, it has a little bit of that feel to it. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, the dynamics of, like, the environment are a little weird. Um, there's there's a shot where, you know, he's um, he's he's with the, the Christmas past and he's watching, um, you know, the uh, Christmas party where they're all dancing in um, his old place of work. And, uh, you know, there's the characters and they're like dancing and like jumping and spinning in the air. And there's the, the, the like gravity and dynamics are just completely collapsed at that point. And it's just do whatever you want, you know. Right. <laughs> and it, it was just it seemed a little weird to me. But I, I, I still I, I like Jim Carrey and I like his acting style. And it, that really came through in the animation. And that's it, it kind of it worked. But I don't know. It was a little weird. <laughs> I, I remember there, there was a few things about it where, um, where I think maybe if they did it like more stylized and less trying to look exactly like real humans, maybe yeah. the films. I mean, you could still use. That's why I think Tintin worked better for a stop, like for a motion capture film, is because the characters are stylized to yeah. not look human they're supposed to look like the characters did in the comics so that's why that film works like that yeah i think jim carrey's character well scrooge i think he was stylized like i think his like face and everything was stylized i mean there's a little bit of weirdness going on there with the uncanny valley just some in the skin texture or something but like the and when you introduce all the other characters it gets weird I mean, I don't like the realism to, you know, stylization like that, like balance is just not there for me. Are are there any other versions of A Christmas Carol that you can remember that you particularly enjoyed maybe more than the The, the Disney version? The only one that I like is, to be honest, the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I just thought about there's a Mickey's Christmas Carol, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that one's really good, too. I remember I liked that one a lot. I had to watch that in French class in French, so that was interesting too. Yeah. <laughs> but. One of the most popular ones is the Patrick Stewart one, and he's oh, yeah. done it. Not only did they do it as a, a TNT made for TV movie, but he did it for many years on broad, like not on Broadway, but as a um, 
a theatrical or a pl- like a play, uh, basically. So his version is is very popular. He also did the audio book, um, but my favorite is uh, Scrooged with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite yeah. when I was growing up. Um, I was a huge Bill Murray fan, and that that was the one that I always go back to. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on it briefly since Justin to come on for the, the Halloween one uh, is Nightmare Before Christmas because this kind of works both Halloween and Christmas. So what are your thoughts about Nightmare Before Christmas, Justin? That is a film that I have... Um, I, have I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with it. I A lot of the characters I love and a lot of the aspects about the movie I love. I love going to the, uh, when they change the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland into the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, theme. Um, I love that and I love Jack Skellington and a lot of the characters, but we went, we had a chance to see it in 3D before Frankenweenie and it just kind of um, reaffirmed my thoughts on, I don't really like the movie that much. Like, I like the characters in it, um, but I just, I don't know, there's something about the movie that I'm not a huge fan of. I, I, I remember seeing it in the theater with my mom when it first came out, and the first thing I said when I came out was, there was too much singing in that movie, there was too much <laughs> music in that movie, because I, I guess I wasn't expecting it, because I think I was in middle school when, that, when it came out, and... I wasn't a huge fan of musicals back then. I remember seeing Aladdin and having the exact same thing. I was like, "There's too much singing in that movie." I just wanted, I just wanted to be a regular movie. Um, I, I I like musicals a lot more now than I did back then. But um, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is one that I I think I gave that a three three out of five on Netflix also. So I I kind of stand in the middle on that one. And like we said uh, before, that that one is available on Netflix Instant too. And we should get sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> yeah. With how much we refer people yeah, to, give us, to them. Give us free months, please. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, and this last one just popped in my head. It'll be the last one we talk about is the Chipmunks Christmas uh, special that they did. I remember I had the CD for this for a long time. and Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Chipmunks Christmas song is like a classic mm-hmm. thing that you'll hear on yeah. the radio this time of year now, too. It opens the the film of Almost Famous that Cameron Crowe did. Uh, and like in that, uh, Alvin gives this golden harmonica that he gets for Christmas to this sick kid in the hospital. And that that's another great holiday thing. I haven't seen that in forever, but it just popped in my head for some reason. And I, I have this soundtrack to that on my... On, on iTunes, and what's kind of cool about that that score that or soundtrack that they did for that, it's done kind of like a story where like it's held together with like Santa Claus telling the story, and then it goes into each bit of the music. So you can kind of listen to that soundtrack as if you're watching the movie, like as a radio, you know, or listening to it as a radio show. So, mm-hmm. uh, do you guys remember that at all from when you were a kid? Yes, well, definitely the song stands out. Um, I don't actually remember the specific plots of the the movie itself but yeah that was one of those ones like charlie brown that it was like a classic christmas thing that always played um before the um kind of before the the reinvention of the chipmunks in the 80s and then again in you know the whatever 2010s with the live action films um but yeah that was kind of the the 50s chipmunks um kind of the the original chipmunks incarnation so yeah, I, I remember that um, kind of 
interesting to go back and see how the character art yeah it how it changed kind of like mickey mouse like yeah. how it um there they it was um, i want to say more a crude style like um before they kind of refined it but yeah that was interesting what do you think Matt? yeah the chipmunks i i i barely remember the christmas special and only the music stands out for me yeah i think it's, i had the soundtrack i think i bought the soundtrack a couple of years ago it's probably somewhere floating around in my itunes uh, yeah. and then if there's is anything that you guys think we missed today, uh, there's a bunch of animated Christmas specials on, I'm going to refer you to Netflix and say again, that you can find on there. Like I saw Justin scrolling through a second ago, and there's a CG Casper Haunted Christmas on there. So, I mean, there, there's plenty of holiday specials you can find right on Netflix, too. So, I mean, if if there's some animated holiday specials you want to watch, Netflix is definitely a place to go for that. Uh, but Ooh, there you, hey, before we close, there's there's two more things we got to talk about. All right, well. We need to talk about the Grinch. Oh yeah! Oh holy crap, man! <laughs> yeah, the animated. Yes, the animated Grinch <laughs> film. Wow. And then there's one more too. But continue with the Grinch. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, the Grinch. That's only 15 minutes, I believe, of the original animated one. But it's such a classic animated film that I forgot it for some reason. I have no idea why. It's uh, that's like the the staple of Christmas. Yeah. You got to see the Grinch. Uh, yeah, I mean everybody loves that film. It's that's one of the only animated Dr. Seuss things I can th- I can think of that, like for a holiday special. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you talk about it a bit, Matt, since you you actually remembered it. <laughs> I mean, it's it, the only reason I remembered it is because it's everywhere. You know, you go drive down the street and you have inflatable Grinches in people's lawns. Like, it, <laughs> um, it, this is another one of those, uh, you know, VHS tapes I used to have in my grandparents' house that had the Sharpie marker written on it, the Grinch, that they recorded right off the TV. You'd have to fast forward through the commercials and you get the fuzz in between and – yeah, that, I mean, that's a instant classic. And I, I recently, you know, went to, like, Best Buy, and they have all, like, the Blu-rays and stuff for the Grinch now you can go out and buy. So I mean, it, it's, a, it's an awesome storyline. It's, you know, everyone knows what it is, and the music is completely iconic. I mean, you turn on the radio, and that's another one where you can hear the Grinch on any Christmas, you know, radio station you find out there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's my number one Christmas film. That's another classic Christmas franchise or property that Jim Carrey was associated with. Yeah. He likes his, his holiday specials, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Justin just found this other thing where it was uh, the Grinch Grinches, the cat in the hat animated thing, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Grinch is like, I have, I feel really bad that I completely forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Grinch is definitely classic. The music, like you guys are saying, is fantastic. And you can hear that in everything this time of year. And definitely one of those things that you need to watch at least once every time this time of year, too. I mean, you can even say that it paved the way to all the 3D uh, Dr. Seuss uh, yeah. movies, too. You and know, Jim Carrey then was part of those, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that's that's a huge huge movie right there, um, and uh, going on from that, there's one other um, 
Christmas TV special going back to stop motion that I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Um, Justin, you touched on this a bit, but the California raisins, that was, that was part of um, this Christmas special. And that's the Will Vinton's. um, It was a claymation um, Christmas. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. I I Hal Hickle worked on that too. Cause remember he was telling us, yeah. He worked there, so I wonder if he worked on that holiday special. I think he did. And um, I think um, I, I've been obsessed with this Christmas special for years, and I've never been able to find a DVD, uh, uh, VHS, tape or VHS tape, or anything on this. So if there's any listeners out there that can find this on DVD, please link us to it because I, I love it. it. It has like – you remember the dinosaurs, the yeah. claymation dinosaurs? Yeah. It has the caroling of the bells, mm-hmm. the claymation caroling of the bells. There was like um, – there was like the penguins or like the hippos or something like the polar bear animation. There was the California raisins. I mean there, there was some good stuff in that claymation and I, I wish it was in Blu-ray. That would be awesome. Yeah, that but would be good I, on Blu-ray. I have not been able to find it anywhere. I think I found like a link to it, but it was a really crummy, you know, standard definition, you know, copy. But I cannot find it anywhere. You can find like individual clips on YouTube of each of the segments, but finding the whole thing in one place, I haven't been able to do that yet. So yeah. that's a challenge. Find some it, Justin. Yeah, actually. Apparently, Best Buy has a DVD. Uh, it came out in 2003 uh, for 1999. Um, it is available. Not, um, Yeah, it is available. I was going to say not for in-store pickup, but uh, it is available if you go to Best Buy's website. And I think it's on Amazon also. But yeah, there is a DVD out for it, which awesome. has the Christmas, the Halloween, and the Easter celebrations all in, all in one. But yeah, that was a VHS that I had. That I played over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like like I said, there's all, I think anim, animated holiday specials are like the biggest thing for this time of year anyway. So there's a, a ton of stuff that I know we didn't talk about, but if if there's an animated thing and it's, it's holiday related, you guys should definitely check it out. Because I mean, there's Winnie the Pooh, there's there's every, everything for this time of year that's animated. I'm buying this claymation Christmas. I'm adding it to my Amazon cart right now. Yeah. Yes. If you, the, yes. The actual title is Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas plus Halloween and Easter celebrations. So just search for that and you'll find it. Yep, I'm buying it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So happy holidays to everybody, and don't forget you guys can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibbert, M A R C V I B B E R T. And I am at Questpact, Q-U-E-S-T-P-A-C-T. And mine is just my last name, Vector, V-A-C-T-O-R. Or you can follow the show at Animated Podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, feel free to be amongst the few people that have emailed us in the past. <laughs> uh, Animation Fascination Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our site, animationfascination.wordpress.com. And you can finish out your internet trifecta by liking us on Facebook, where we actually just hit over 200 likes on there, and we've gotten, I believe, 300 followers, 300 or 400 followers on Twitter. So because of that, we're going to be doing a listener's choice episode coming up in 
in January sometime. And we have a poll on our Facebook page right now for uh, for what you want us to talk about for that. Right now, what's winning is talking about the live-action Toy Story project that uh, a few people did the shot at that are actually from Arizona, uh, pretty close to where Justin and I are. Um, so maybe if, if that ends up winning, maybe I'll have to do the, the interview live with them close together. Uh, but yeah, uh, also, if you guys haven't heard about audible.com before, you can get a free trial from us just by going to audiblefreetrial.com slash animation fascination. This, um, this was actually a textbook, um, looking at movies and introduction to film. This is the second edition by Richard, uh, Barsam, B-A-R-S-A-M. Yeah, they have textbooks on there too. So definitely if you're interested in hearing more about the Uncanny Valley go there and check that out, you can get a free trial just by putting that in for us. For myself, I'm Mark Vibbert. Matt, uh, Matt Quest. Yeah. And our <laughs> guest host, Justin Vacker. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, and make sure to tune in again next time, guys. And happy holidays. And we'll see you in about a week or so for our best of 2012. Woohoo! Later. All right, you chipmunks, ready to sing your song? Ready, Alvin? Ready when you are, Dave. Basically, take a shit. That's what what the holiday special is about. Basically. How to potty train your dragon. If you like Pocahontas, you'll also like Gossip Girl. Well, yeah, because it's got Aaron Schwartz, a.k.a. the fat kid from Heavyweights. I keep feeling like I'm going to sneeze, and then it never comes. (laughs) So it's making me, like, really anxious while we're recording. (laughs) So I'm trying to not do it as someone's talking, and then it just goes away. But if that was a cheeseburger, you'd stop it. Hmm. Uh, what was the, the book that you were talking about earlier, Matt? Because I'm pretty sure you could find that right there on Audible and get an audio copy of it. Wait, what? The, the, <laughs> the book that you were talking about earlier, that Uncanny Valley. Woohoo! Do-do-do-do-do.